From the Epistle from St. Paul to the Thessalonians, chapter 1, verses 2 through 10. Brethren, we give thanks to God always for you all, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brethren, beloved by God, that he has chosen you, For our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. We know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction, with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us what a welcome we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols, to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Reading from the Holy Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter, verse theme, chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. At that time, Jesus spoke to the multitude another parable, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till it was all leavened. All this Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Today we celebrate the sixth resumed Sunday after Epiphany, next weekend being the last Sunday of the liturgical year. This weekend the sanctuary lamp burns in loving memory of Tim Corcoran. In preparation for Thanksgiving, uh, consider offering food donations for those in need. We are collecting items for Thanksgiving dinner food baskets, and we ask please that you add your non-perishable food items to the collection barrels located in the vestibule of the church. Free flu shots are available today in the cafeteria immediately following this Mass. They are provided by pharmacists from Walgreens. The St. Charbel Healing Mass will be uh, Monday, November 23rd at 6 p.m., We ask you to see the website or bulletin for details on the change of date and for future times. The installation mass for our new pastor, myself, is next Saturday, uh, November 21st uh, at 4 p.m. Bishop Michael Duca will be present to formally install me as pastor here at St. Agnes. This weekend, we're going to also um, resume the use of the the full rail uh, for distribution of Holy Communion. Um, so obviously, uh, with the COVID restrictions, there is the uh, 
um, the importance of still the distancing. Uh, and so rather than just individuals coming up to one spot in the middle, we're going to use the full rail on both sides for distribution of communion. And simply to, to invite you to make sure that there is space, um, appropriate space between you and other persons. If you're seated together, if you're living together, if you're a family, come to the rail and stay close to each other. But if you're not, uh, if you're not family, just as you're seated in the pews, a little distance from each other, so also would ask that you would do the same here at the rails for Holy Communion. And that's all. This Holy Mass is being offered for John and Conceta Greco. This November has been a little bit strange for me. Obviously, moving to a new parish, uh, moving into the city, and all kinds of other things add to it. But I've noticed uh, a bit more difficulty in fulfilling the obligations um, of gaining the, the plenary indulgences uh, for all souls. For that, traditionally, the octave uh, November 1st through the 8th, a plenary indulgence able to be gained each day by uh, visiting a cemetery and praying for the faithful departed. In my previous assignment, the cemetery was in the backyard. So when I would leave Mass, I went to walk out the sacristy, walk to the cemetery, which is another 50 foot out of the way, make my offerings, say my prayers. And all through the month of November, it was an easy thing simply to go and to, to pass through the cemetery to pray for those who had died, both those who were present as well as those who the Lord knows himself, and to offer those prayers. But I've noticed since I've been here, I've only had to fill up on gas one time in the last month because I don't have to go anywhere. And part of the difficulty of that is the reality that the cemeteries are not things that I'm used to here. How to get to them? Do I just stop in the middle of the in the middle of uh, in a Florida Boulevard to stop and pray at the at the cemetery there to pick another one of these kinds of things? So it's been a bit odd. And I mention this simply as an encouragement to you as much as it is to me, to ensure that we take advantage of this opportunity given to us by Mother Church during the month of November to pray for the holy souls in purgatory and indeed to visit the cemeteries to make prayers for them to be able to gain the plenary indulgences. Again, this year, uh, for the full month of November, not just the the first through the eighth, the full month of November uh, is the opportunity when we can go eight individual times to pray at a cemetery, eight days, to be able to gain a plenary indulgence uh, for a soul in purgatory, which is essentially to allow them to enter into the joy of heaven. If you haven't done it already, I would certainly encourage you to do so, and I'm encouraging myself as well. And if you stop by as a family, you get a whole group of souls out of heaven, <laughs> out of purgatory, not out of heaven. We don't want to leave heaven when we get there, of course. We get them into heaven. And I'm saying all of this uh, also as a reminder that During this month, during the month of November, it's a time when traditionally the church would invite us to reflect upon our end. The simple reality, as St. Paul tells us, is that we are citizens of heaven. We're not citizens here. Our citizenship is in heaven. Indeed, our hearts ought to be there as well. Christ calls us to himself to enter into heavenly joy. And he beckons us, he bids us come, little by little, stepping towards him each and every day. An important thing in this process of being mindful of our end is to be mindful of the last things. 
the last things, the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell, all of us will taste three of them. It depends on which of the last two that's up to you. All of us will taste death. All of us will undergo judgment. But whether we go to heaven or to hell, ultimately it's ours to choose. The Lord, the just judge, simply confirms the choice that we have made in this life on the last day when we stand before him. It is ours to choose. The world around us doesn't necessarily like to reflect upon the last things. The world around us wants to keep death away as far as possible, as much as often, as much as humanly possible, except in the case of, you know, abortion, euthanasia, and those who are sick and just unwanted, in which case death is welcome for them, but not for me. Not for me. I want to be healthy as long as humanly possible. I want to, I want to last as long as humanly possible, so many say. And yet we forget how many of the lives of the saints, how many of the saints died before they were 25. And we honor them, we celebrate them, but in some sense we don't want to be like them, right? We want to have a nice long life. And I can appreciate that. Indeed, there is a goodness here that we enjoy, that God gives us a goodness here in this time, that we can celebrate holy things, that we have the gift of family and of friends and of beautiful a beautiful creation given to us by God, and so it is indeed good that we are here. But it is better that we be there in heaven. So many in the world refuse to think about death. Funerals become celebrations because we don't want to have to face the reality of grief, of loss, of death. But death is a reality. And it need not be feared. The reality of the, the funeral rites of the church assure us and they remind us in the preface of each Mass, the Requiem Mass, it reminds us that for, for the faithful Lord, life is changed and not ended. Death is referred to in the Scriptures as a veil through which one passes. And it passes into the other side, a greater side. The world doesn't like to think about judgment either except when it's casting judgment upon someone and with their opinion doesn't agree with them, then it's okay to judge. But all of us must stand before the judge, and this too is not to be feared. Imagine standing before the just judge and hearing him say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your reward. Whew. What peace, what joy. Judgment for the faithful is not to be feared. It's to be expected, joyfully expected. Because we have followed him and he is faithful. Judgment is to be feared for those who do not live a life of faith. For those who do not follow the will of God. Who do not open themselves to Christ and his grace. It is to be feared because they will hear the blessed, those unfortunate words, depart from me, you accursed. Depart from me, I don't know you. The judgment leads us to one way or the other, again, to heaven or to hell. Both of these are eternal things. 
There are some theologians in the world who would like to think that, that hell just kind of fills up for a while, and then at the end of time, everybody gets to go into heaven. Everybody gets a trophy, right? Foolishness. Because God is love, and he would never force himself upon us. God allows us to experience for eternity what we have desired most here in this life, what we have actively pursued most here in this life. If what we pursue is self, if what we pursue is sin, if what we pursue is the attachments of this life, he will give them to us. It will bring sorrow to the heart of Christ, but he will give them to us. And they remain. This is the enduring fires of hell. We call it, we call it, it's oftentimes referred to as a lake of fire, because two of the worst ways a person can imagine dying is by drowning and by fire. Hell is both, and it's eternal. It is total loss. But heaven, again, heaven. We can't think about heaven enough. Indeed, it's good for us to think about hell and to consider the reality of our possibly going there. I was in bed just the other night, and I had, for the briefest of moments, I envisioned myself standing before the just judge, hearing those words of condemnation in my, you know, on the second floor of the rectory. I think my stomach sank to the bottom floor in my office. Thanks be to God, it wasn't real. But it gave me a taste, even for the smallest of seconds, and my, my immediate thought was, Lord, help me remember this every moment of the day. I don't want to hear those words. I want to be welcomed into the kingdom, not told, I don't know who you are. To contemplate hell is to have a little fire behind us to run from. But the Lord doesn't want us just to run from something. He wants us to run to something, himself. Because this is what he desires. It's the reason that Christ took on our flesh, is to come among us and to draw all, human, human, all, of, all of humanity to himself. To draw every person to himself, to his heart, to the font of mercy, to the font of grace. So not simply enough to just run from hell, but even more so, to fly to heaven. To allow these things to set our hearts on fire with love. To contemplate heaven regularly is a tremendous gift to the soul. It instills hope, especially important in this world today. To have hope. Trust in our blessed Lord. These are important things to reflect upon here and now, in this life. Because after death, there's no more changing the records. When you finish the race, your time is set. It's done. You can't go back and try a little bit harder if you missed the, your, your, your personal record. You're finished. And the same is true in our faith. There's not a, there's not a time after death, at least not known to us, not revealed to us by Christ, where we have an opportunity to say, you know what? probably shouldn't have done that. Sorry about that, Lord. That's for this life. And this is why we have such an important emphasis in the life of the church upon going to confession regularly and upon relying and allowing the grace of God to work in us. 
the grace of God is present to us to enliven our souls so that we need not fear. We need not be concerned, anxious about the last things. If we live a life full of the grace of Christ, allowing it to be effective within us, we have nothing to fear but everything to rejoice in, to look forward to joyfully. In so many ways, to be reminded of St. Therese, who as a little child told her mother, I want you to die, (laughs) because she wanted her to have heaven. Because Therese knew what heaven was, at least to some extent, and she wanted her mom to be there too to have that same joy within our own hearts, that faith, that knowing. This is what Christ invites us to today, to especially work and labor today in the vineyard of the Lord, in the vineyard of the Lord, in, in in the world in which we have been placed according to his holy will, to labor here and now. The collect of today's Mass tells us Offering this prayer to the Lord, grant we beseech thee, almighty God, that thinking everything over in our minds, we may accomplish both in words and works that which is pleasing in thy sight. To contemplate the things of heaven, to contemplate the things of God, to think about them, to consider them, to look at the life of of the world around us and within us through the lens of faith, to think of all of these things, and then to go forth and to act whether in word or in works. To allow the lens of our our action in the world to be Christ, to be heavenly joy with him, and then to go out and to do it. Just a couple of weekends ago, we celebrated the feast of Christ the King. On that feast, we were reminded of the social dimension of Christ's kingship that it's not meant to just be a a spiritual kingship, that indeed we are to work and to labor in this world, that a Christ may reign here more perfectly. And the scriptures today encourage us to do the same in a different way. Our Lord speaks and he assures us that the church is the leaven, to be the leaven of society, the leaven of the world. That thing that, that sprinkled in changes all the rest. But before we can be the leaven of society, we first have to be recipients of the leaven of Christ here in Mass, where he gives us himself, the Eucharist. The unleavened bread is indeed the leaven of our soul. The Eucharist is our salvation. It's the thing that transforms us, that we might do the thing that Christ calls us to do, to transform the world. And we don't do this alone, thanks be to God. It's the power of the Eucharist, it's the grace of Christ that allows us to do these things at all. Left to ourselves, we can do nothing well but sin, but in his grace, we can do all things. The prayers of the Mass also invite us to reflect upon the reality of the offering that we make, the offering of Christ, the offering of the Eucharist on the altar. And it assures us that that same Eucharist, that same offering that we make to God the Father, cleanses us, it renews us, it guides us, and it protects us. It's Christ who does these things.
Eucharist that does these things in us. Ours is to be receptive to it, to allow it to increase within us, to say yes. And then having said yes with our hearts, to say yes in our body, to go forth and to do his will, whether in word or in work. To the extent that we allow ourselves to live in the grace of Christ today, we need not worry about tomorrow. Indeed, we can be anxious about many things. We can be anxious about the, uh, the political situation in our country. We can be anxious about the spiritual condition of our nation. We can be anxious about the things of our own family, of our own jobs, of our own health, of countless other things. But with the grace of Christ, there is one thing that we, in all things, need not be anxious about at all, our salvation. If we receive his grace and say yes to, lo- to allowing him to work in us, we need not fear. We can have confidence that on the day of our death or if the Lord comes in his glory before them, we will be able to stand with our heads raised at the judgment knowing that we've been faithful to him to the best of our abilities and sought his mercy when we fall short. And if we are faithful to him, he is faithful to us.